Hello, citizens of Earth. We are Bad Movie Sunday. <laughs> My name is Ashley. My name is Amy. We're a podcast that watches bad movies so that you don't have to save in the day uh, from the bad the, from the bad movies. We roast them. We toast them. And we're going to have a lot of fun while doing it, because that's what we do as the superhero dynamic duo of this podcast. Yeah, we are the thunder force of the podcasting world, I would say. Meaning not a really superheroes kind of incompetent, but we have <laughs> do have the superhero title, which is I think all that matters. Yes, exactly. Um, and if any of you have not heard of Thunder Force, the iconic actual superhero team instead of the super podcasting team, um, I do have a little summary here, and it says, In a world where supervillains are commonplace, two estranged childhood best friends reunite after one devises a treatment that gives them powers to protect their city. So this is a new, a relatively new Netflix movie. Um, it stars Melissa McCarthy. I think this is only our second Melissa McCarthy uh, movie that we've done on the podcast. All I can think of is Tammy, which <laughs> I don't think I liked, but I think you liked it. I don't I literally don't remember anything about Tammy. Um, also stars Octavia Spencer. Jason Bateman, uh, Pom Clementiev, is that how you say her name from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? We have like Bobby Cannavale, we have Ben Falcone, who also directed the movie and is married to Melissa McCarthy. We just have like an all-star cast in this movie. We really do. It's really the perfect superhero team up of actors <laughs> here. Now, we are going to go into our thoughts on this movie. But before we do, as always... We have a specialty drink and drinking game prepared for you if you want to watch this movie yourself. So our drink today, because, you know, this is the Thunder Force. There's no literal thunder in this movie, but they are bringing the thunder, you Ooh. know. So we have the Thunder Margarita. And now just keep in mind that this recipe, which I'm getting from foodnetwork.com, this serves six, so you can maybe mess with the portions if a little If you thing. are going to invite all of the original Avengers to your house, <laughs> this would work for you, except you wouldn't be able to have one. Unless you want to leave someone out. Le pick your least favorite Avenger and just say you ran out of juice. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, Hawkeye. I'm just... <laughs> We all know who it's going to be. We all know who it's going to be. So to serve yourself and five Avengers of your choice, you're going to need eight cups of ice, nine ounces of tequila, six ounces of fresh lime juice, six ounces of curacao, one orange wedge plus six orange slices for serving, and two tablespoons of orange colored sugar. So what you're going to do is add ice to a blender, add the tequila, lime juice, and curacao, and blend. Then you 
pour the frozen margarita into a resealable freezer bag and freeze until serving. And then you're going to run an orange wedge around the rim of six margarita glasses and dip the rim of each in orange sugar. Then you fill with the frozen margarita and decorate the rim of each glass with an orange slice. Oh my god, we're getting fancy here today. Oh, also, you can't, if you're going to pick your, we all know who the least favorite Avenger is, sorry, <laughs> Clint, um, but you gotta, one of them, uh, you could pick any of the new people you want to bring up, one of them's got to be Thor, right? The, the whole thing is thunder. You can't just leave out the god of thunder for a thunder-themed drink. Oh, yeah. And you know he's going to get turned on, like, 20 of these. So you got to make an extra big batch. Um, got to make a second glass so that when he inevitably yells, another, you're ready for him. <laughs> <laughs> also, extra glasses, probably. Yeah, you're going to have to go to Ikea before you invite Thor over, because the man makes a lot of messes. We're thinking maybe, like, plastic cups um around him. The other Avengers, you know, they're poised. They're, you know, Tony Stark, he knows what's up. He's got expensive stuff around him. We're thinking maybe, now hear me out, a sippy cup for Thor. Oh. So that when he throws it on the ground, as you know that he will, it just kind of bounces and rolls around. Then you pick it right up and you're like, here you go. Just pour another into the same little sippy cup and didn't even break. Do you think they have sippy cups on Asgard? Or is he mm. going to be like so impressed with it? Mm, interesting. If they have them on Asgard, they've got to be like, <laughs> like bougie gold sippy cups, you know? You know, that's what he was <laughs> drinking when he was a wee, a wee thunder babe. Um, <laughs> but I think the concept of non-smashable glasses is probably very technologically advanced for him. I think he'd be very impressed. Yeah, you would think over like the thousands of years um, that Asgard has been thriving that they would have invented like plastic. Uh, but you know what? Surprisingly, they haven't. No, they haven't. They haven't invented plastic. You know, maybe he'd be disappointed, though, because maybe half the fun is smashing the glass. This is true. That's he a lot of glass on the floor. He can't really like walk around the palace barefoot anymore can he well i mean i no <laughs> no <laughs> that's why he's just got to like constantly move around using mjolnir just like flying all over the place because <laughs> he can't step on the ground of asgard anymore because it's just perpetually covered in glass shards the rainbow bridge covered covered <laughs> in glass so to go along with that specialty drink that you can smash, you can drink, Hulk smash, whatever you want to do. We have a drinking game that you can drink along to the movie if you're going to watch it yourself or to our podcast. We'll try to yell out drink whenever these things happen, but we usually don't. <laughs> so I think we'll go back and forth. Um, my first point is drink every time the king, who's the bad guy in this movie, hugs someone to death. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one. I have every time someone gets called a nerd. I have every time Melissa McCarthy talks about how smelly their superhero suits are. <laughs> oh, that's another good one. Okay, I have this one you can 
choose which one you want to do or you can do both of them. It's going to happen a lot at the beginning. But either when Melissa McCarthy gets an injection or when Octavia Spencer has to take a pill for their superpowers. Um, My last one is whenever Octavia Spencer goes invisible. Oh, my last one is every time someone uses their powers, which I think if you're going to do this one, maybe just do this one, because there are a lot of uh, super powered people in this movie. (laughs) Obviously, superhero movie. It is a superhero movie, so that would be expected. So you can you can pick your favorites from that list. You can, well, do all of them if you're just going to smash the drinks instead of actually drinking them. In the meantime, we're going to be breaking down this movie scene by scene, letting you know everything that goes on in it right now so a little bit of backstory before we actually get to the plot so basically what's going on in this world is it takes place on earth just our regular earth except that one day this like radioactive meteor hits earth and gives a bunch of people superpowers but the thing about the radiation is it only affects sociopaths (laughs) i guess This Um, sounds like a plot line in Riverdale, like (laughs) cosmic rays have hit the earth. Only people with the sociopath gene can be affected. Like this is this is a Riverdale plot dying to happen. Melissa McCarthy, don't give them ideas. Well, I'm they may they may already go that route. Yeah. Betty Cooper. I'm sorry, girl. You got the genes. It's going to (laughs) happen. The only people that are getting turned into uh, super people. I guess they're not heroes because they're all villains because they're all sociopaths. And they are called miscreants. And this one girl, Emily, her parents uh, were working on a way. They were scientists and they were working on a way to turn regular people into superheroes. But they got killed uh, by the miscreants when she was really young. So she and Melissa McCarthy's character, Lydia, have been friends since they were kids But in high school, they had a falling out and they haven't seen each other since. And the rest of the movie takes place with them as adults. Yeah. And the reason that they had a falling out was like kind of (laughs) stupid. It was it was literally that. Okay, so the whole movie um, at the beginning, the whole backstory is that Emily, because her parents died by a miscreant, she wants to become a scientist to figure out a way to stop miscreants. And so she has to study, study, study. And Melissa McCarthy's character, Lydia, is the one who's always like, nah, you got to take a break sometimes. You can't always be studying. Let's go to a party, you know, and trying to get her to go out more. And the reason they had a falling out is because Emily had some kind of exam that she was studying for. And Lydia's like, you look so tired. Let's take a nap and I'll wake you up in 30 minutes. And you can keep on studying, whatever. And they just, like, fall asleep through the night, and they wake up, and Emily's like, oh, my God, you didn't wake me up now. We can't we can't be friends anymore. But, like, first of all, <laughs> she was studying math, right? You only, like, need to know the equations. Like, you don't, like, how else do you study? And also, you know what they always say? If you don't know it the night before, you, you ain't going to know it. So. You ain't going to know it. This is true. Been through enough exams myself to know that um yeah it it felt like you know it felt like a a climactic scene that would have happened at the end of the movie but it happened like five minutes in because it was like this you don't care about me you think you're so special 
I'm not special. I know that you wouldn't care about me like you care about math. (laughs) Go their separate ways or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Amy, I just, it really resonated with me um, watching this scene. I was thinking about our, you know, long friendship, our relationship, and I just, I don't know if you care about me quite as much as you care about um, writing. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't know if we can be friends. If you, if you write something, are you writing about me? No. Am I not special enough for you? You know what? I was thinking the same thing. Um, Whenever you're doing math homework, are you doing math about me? Or are you just doing math? Are you doing math about numbers? You know, is this is this about numbers? Or is it about, as Dominic Toretto would say, La Familia? <laughs> and I like to think that we are La Familia. Except you're always studying all damn day. So... <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. Do you love me the same amount that I love you? Because I'm studying every single day for math. Still study it every day. And you know how I study? I don't study these stupid questions that come up in the textbooks. Like, how many watermelons can you buy from the store with this amount of money? I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense for me. I have to think about it. How many watermelons would Amy buy from the store? (laughs) All this time, you really were thinking about me while you were doing your math homework. We really are La Familia. We really are La Familia, living the world quarter watermelon at a time. (laughs) You see, if only they had watched Fast and Furious, if only when that scene happened, which was like 1993, if only they could have known Fast and Furious was coming in a decade or so. I mean, that would have changed the whole plot line of this movie. Yeah, they drop constantly in this movie. They're dropping references to other movies, music, whatever, a bunch of 80s stuff. Never once did they drop a reference to Fast and Furious. And I think if they had watched that Fast and Furious, they would have known how important Familia really is. They would have been able to get past their differences earlier. Exactly. But they didn't. And now it's present day and Lydia is a forklift operator or something. And Emily is a rich and successful scientist, just like she always wanted to be. And there's this high school reunion that's coming up. So Lydia texts Emily for like the first time in decades to ask her if she wants to go to their high school reunion. And then on the night, uh, Lydia's kind of waiting around. It's happening at a bar. She's not seeing Emily. So she goes to Emily's new fancy office building, and they surprisingly just let her in. And she's <laughs> she's waiting around for Emily. They see each other for the first time in years. Emily kind of says that she forgot that the reunion was happening tonight and she's busy because she has this major project that she's working on like always always studying always hitting the books and she can't go to the reunion and somewhere during this scene Lydia spills her drink on Emily by accident and Emily has to leave the room for a second and she tells Lydia not to touch anything so you know Lydia's gonna (laughs) touch all the expensive shit (laughs) that's lying around so Lydia somehow like straps herself into this (laughs) dentist chair looking thing 
And she gets this injection just as Emily is returning to the room. And they explain to Lydia that that was the first of a series of injections that were supposed to make the, you know, test subject super strong. Um, lifting cars, lifting buses, Hulk style. And in order for her to literally not die, she has to continue taking these injections for the next like 33 days. Ooh, and that's uh like and one one injection a day. That's a lot of injections. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just telling Amy that I just got my COVID vaccine, and um, your girl like doesn't do well with needles. I have <laughs> passed out very embarrassingly <laughs> trying to get my vaccine. Um, everyone was staring. It was very fun. And this girl has got to get literally six needles in the face every day for a month, which sounds so fun. I would not be awake for that because I would be passed out on the floor. (laughs) So basically, Emily, you know, that's the whole thing. Her parents were trying to figure out a way to give regular people superpowers instead of just sociopaths getting them. And Emily finally figured it out. So the injections were supposed to be for her. She was supposed to be, she wanted to be the one that was like, uh, I, I finally figured this out. I've I've discovered what my, my parents were trying to do before they were killed. So she was supposed to give herself these injections and be the one with superpowers. Um, and she was supposed to get super strength and visibility. But because Melissa McCarthy accidentally took the super strength injections and has to keep taking them in order to not mm, spontaneously combust, um, she's like, okay. This is how this is going to go. Melissa McCarthy, my, well, my used to be best friend, you're going to continue to take the super strength ones and I will just take these invisibility pills and then we can be this dynamic duo, this uh, superhero buddy cop team. So Melissa McCarthy training, weeks of training on her super strength. Emily is also training to get her invisibility working. Melissa McCarthy gets these injections and Emily only has to take like two pills. <laughs> She's like, chill. She's good to go. What I like about this movie is that Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer don't follow, like, let's say the unrealistic body standards that the other superhero movies put on people. Like, when they're doing their training, they're not like, sweaty and shirtless and there's like you know ab shots and like you know what i mean like they're not shredded and that's perfectly okay (laughs) and it doesn't interfere with their superhero duties or their abilities and it's not really like a point that they make uh in the movie and i just i really want to you know shout out to that because that was kind of refreshing no it was super refreshing i totally agree i think okay going to get a little deep here, but superheroes for most of us are beings that we grew up with as kids, right? They're figureheads, they're role models, people that we look up to. So, I mean, Hollywood has always been a very unrealistic um, standard for beauty, for strength, for just physically what people should look like. And, you know, I grew up on DC Comics, Marvel Comics, grew up reading all of those, the Star Wars Legends comics, seeing all these fantastic 
really ripped people, you know, with their superpowers and defeating rad bad guys and whatever. Um, and they carry that through with the the live action movies and everything, which I love. Superhero movies is one of my favorite genres of all time. But, you know, there there are times when you look at someone like, you know, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and her skin tight bodysuit. And you just know that that's never you're never going to look like that. She looks so amazing. And that's not what the majority of people watching the movies are going to look like. So I agree. This movie, I love that they had two actresses that are more more average, I'd say, than someone like <laughs> Captain America or Black Widow looks like. And they didn't make it a point in the movie to be like, you have to get thin to be a superhero or whatever. It was just, it it was very refreshing, I agree, to be like, it had this sort of message of anyone can be a hero, which I really thought was very uplifting. Yeah, and like, it's so weird that in all the superhero movies it's always gotta be like a young conventionally attractive person that gets bitten by a radioactive whatever <laughs> or you know uh goes through this transformation like it's never like an average looking person and i remember i think it was kumail nanjiani who was recently hired in one of the newer marvel movies that's uh coming out soon he said because he you know went through this huge physical transformation. Um, he was training for months and months and months to get, you know, the perfect superhero body, uh, in quotations. And he said literally would not be achievable if he didn't have, you know, the funds provided to him by Marvel to get a personal trainer, if he didn't have like eight hours a day to work out, if he didn't have access to all this, you know, expert gym equipment and, and all of these things. Like these things are not really accessible to just average everyday people and yeah and and this movie kind of is like you know what that really doesn't matter if you're strong you're strong and if you're you can be invisible you can be invisible literally does not matter and something that i thought was really weirdly like people were uh, against when i was reading imdb reviews and stuff is like people were upset to see two middle-aged actresses playing superheroes as if like half the actors in the MCU aren't you know like RDJ Paul Rudd are in their 50s uh, nobody cares because they're like super ripped and we see their abs every movie and they're uh, you know conventionally by Hollywood standards very hot people so nobody cares that they're you know uh, middle-aged but when Melissa McCarthy comes on the scene everyone's like oh my god what are we going to do about that? Nothing, bitch. You don't have to do anything about that. Middle-aged women also want to be superheroes. I hate to bring up this point. I don't want to go into the men versus women debate or whatever, but the, it, there is a sort of prejudice there. A lot of the men, again, just as an example, this isn't criticism. This is just as an example. A lot of the men in the MCU, like we said, Paul Rudd, Bruce Banner, whoever, like they are older now i mean it's been 10 plus years of the mcu but they're in their 40s 50s um and once you sort of get to that point as a man you're like a, a silver fox or whatever you know versus all the women in the mcu at least they look a lot younger you know what i mean like they're not casting 50 year olds 
as the the main superheroes. So it is really refreshing to see both age and body type represented in this movie as like it doesn't matter. This is just a fun superhero movie with no expectations of beauty or body type um or age. Just, you know, you have you can have the power to do whatever you want. And and I like that they didn't even in the movie have anyone be like mm, you're too fat to be a hero you're too old to be a hero they just kind of owned it the whole movie yeah and and also the thing that you were saying before about you know uh black widow's skin tight costume like the costuming in this movie is pretty good like it's kind of i guess more similar to captain marvel's uh outfit where it's not as revealing as some are like you know when you're watching wonder woman it's like oh my god gal gadot looks super pretty except like her legs are not covered so when she's in a <laughs> battle people are just gonna like stab her in the legs you know that's not practical uh but their suits in this were pretty good they were pretty practical they weren't like you know super skin tight they were compared to some of the other superhero costumes they weren't bad yeah i as someone interested in costume design and fashion design and character design that sort of whole thing i loved that they weren't like you know the typical like power girl boob hole kind of costumes i will say they were boring to look at was my only thing with the costumes (laughs) they were super practical i loved that they were really boring to look at (laughs) they were just sort of like they looked very generic was the only thing. They were like just sort of regular superhero spandex with like a kind of generic looking logo or whatever on the front. Just both of them were like different variations on navy blue. And I, it, they're like to me, if I try to recall their costume now from memory and I just watched this yesterday, it's like hard to recall what their costumes look like. That was my only thing about the costumes was they were boring um but they were practical (laughs) and not only did they get cool costumes at this point they also okay because they've sort of been been training for a montage worth of uh scenes now they get their cool superhero costumes which we talked about are fine they're practical not very pretty but they're practical (laughs) they get their team name which is where the movie name comes from, Thunder Force. They also kind of name themselves, like their superhero names, just as a joke at the beginning of the movie. I like that that's actually what they called them the rest of the movie, um, because their names were really dumb. (laughs) And I love that because so many superhero names are dumb. You're like, where did that come from? Yeah, literally. Um, Also, they get a a cool new car, a new Lamborghini that... um, you know, a lot of superheroes have uh, cool cars. I'm thinking Batman. To get into and out of these cars, they're so low to the ground and they're so <laughs> such a tight squeeze for anybody. It's just they're really showing the impracticalities of, of being a superhero. Um, so they get into their cool new car and they're off on their first mission, which is that this convenience store or liquor store or something is being robbed. And they go to stop the robbers. Uh, Emily turns invisible. They're kind of fighting all these guys. One of the guys is uh, Jason Bateman. Yes! But not just Jason Bateman, right? Jason Bateman with, and not his whole body, just his arms. Um, Jason Bateman, who is 
a half man, half crab.、Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only his arms that are that are the crab part. Now, I gotta say, I don't know your feelings on this, Ashley, but I gotta say, <laughs> watching this movie yesterday, and it's not because he was a crab man, okay? It's because of the attitude he had as the crab oh my man. God. <laughs> Are you gonna、Is、say just me? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Is it just me, Ashley, or was、oh, no. Jason Bateman as the crab dude kind of hot in this movie? <laughs> Is it just me, or was he kind of attractive? I'm not saying the crab hands were attractive because they're not, but the. The confidence, the way he was like constantly winking, the little scruff that he that he grew just for this, it was kind of like I, I don't want to say he can butter my crab, but <laughs> <laughs> he can butter me up any day. Give me give give me those crabs. No, well, <laughs> you know, is this not alone? It was <gasps> okay. Good. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. It was, you know, okay. <laughs> I love revealing this kind of stuff on <laughs> radio. It's it's that weird feeling you get when、uh, you gotta stay with me, right? I get you gotta okay. I, well, again, tell me if I'm alone. <laughs> it's that weird feeling you get when you're watching, um, Finding Nemo. Stay with me,、um, and Nemo gets taken to Australia or whatever. He gets put in that tank with all the other people, and then that angelfish with the scar down one side of his face comes into frame, and you're like, "Hmm, he's a fish, <laughs> <laughs> but why is he hot? Why is that? Why is that fish making making me feel in this way? Is that kind of? Do you know what I'm saying?" It's that kind of feeling. <laughs> okay, now I'm starting to feel that our experiences are not the same. You have to stay with me on this. Also, you cannot deny that that one fish from Finding Nemo. I don't remember that fish. Well, <laughs> you're gonna have to take my word on this. Okay, but I, I get that same sort of feeling with Jason Bateman's Crab Man here, where you're like. I don't know why, but it's working for him. You know, I cannot stress enough that for me personally, it's not the crab thing that does no. it for me. It's, <laughs>、no. it's the you know the confidence that the crab man has. You know what I mean? Like it's got nothing to do with him being a crab. It's just I don't know. I don't think we've seen him. As like a like this type of villain before, at least nothing I've seen that he's been in. But he's got this confidence, this like kind of bad boy, tough guy kind of thing going on. True. You know, I think that's what it is. If I have to pinpoint what it is about the performance that is, you know, <laughs> good, kind of.、Uh, I couldn't think of a crab pun. Um, he's he's got me in his pincers, you know.、Mm. Um, I think that would be it. 
You know what they say, villains always have more fun. <laughs> um, I know that every time I watch Arrested Development, you know, I love the show. I think it's so funny, but there's always just something missing from it. And I'm always, I just realized watching this movie what that is. It's that I, I really, I think Jason Bateman just needed some crab claws <laughs> to really complete the look, you know? Like he mm-hmm. just like... That's what he needed. Oh, yeah. He's always doing that in this movie. Little little pincers going off, <laughs> you know. Um, and I don't think we're the only ones who uh, who felt that, that type well, of way. Because, that's relieving. Because Melissa McCarthy in this movie, as soon as she lays eyes on Jason Bateman, the crab man, she's like, I'm in love. There's this <laughs> little fantasy sequence where they're... Or they're dancing, and he's, like, caressing her face with his crab hands. (laughs) Spiky. And it's just so funny. Also, we love an enemies to lovers type of vibe. We really, really do. (laughs) I love, it's like this little, like... 80s dance music video montage to just like show that she's really into him and I guess he's into her too because they end up going on a date later to a seafood restaurant (laughs) (laughs) and we also get a little bit of his backstory that scene that that's kind of later on but we'll talk about it now um so his backstory is that he was on his honeymoon with his his now ex-wife and they were swimming in this like radioactive ocean or lake or something and you know a crab just came up and bit him in the junk like a spider-man type thing except it bit him in the junk although you know what do we ever really get shown in Spider-Man, where the spider bites him? I think in the Tobey Maguire one, it's like on the back of his neck or something. But, I mean... I, Could I mean, be. You know what? In the, in the Tom Holland ones, we see him when he's sort of already Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't get that information uh, <laughs> in the most recent canon. Honestly, it could be. I have mm-hmm. to wonder, though. If a crab bit him, pinched him on the no-no, what how does the powers decide that just his arms become crabs? Because it's not like Spider-Man, where a radioactive spider bites him uh, on his little pinky finger, and then he's like, oh my god, I can stick to walls now, and he just sort of, like, gets spider powers. But Spider-Man doesn't have no disgusting arachnids. (laughs) Uh, arms or anything he still looks like a man or a boy um but jason bateman got the short end of the stick here and turned half crab i guess <laughs> get like what would crab powers even be tasting good and melissa mm-hmm. mccarthy in this movie knows it right because because <laughs> they're at the restaurant they're holding hands she's not really secretly but like she's she's rubbing butter on his little crab hands just to prepare him <laughs> you know so that's Definitely one thing is tasting good. Um, now, I'm also thinking now that you've mentioned the crab hands, which is very strange since it like bit him or, or pincered him on the junk. 
now crab junk, right? Do do the crab do hmm. do the crab have the do the, the crab junk? Oh. Do do the crab have the penis? Like what? <laughs> this is good question. Do the crab <laughs> have the penis? <laughs> so Google is telling me right now mm-hmm. that male crabs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I um. Do have- so the, sh- the short answer is no, oh. it looks like. I'm also getting another article, though. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know how to say this. Um, th- I don't. OK, I'm getting this from the sun.co.uk. So I don't know if this is <laughs> real. Is the sun um, saying that they have pubis? The sun is saying that not only do they have, but they have. You oh. know? Wait, wait a sec. Okay, Ugh, I'm so confused now. They do. So they do have. They do have. And they have, right? They, they- have. Um, <laughs> I guess. I, but another on, answer, on Yahoo Answers, they say no. So oh. it's your question. It's your, who do you want to trust? The, the sun or Yahoo Answers, because I really, they're equal standing to me, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think what we've decided here is Jason Bateman is either just a total, like, exoskeleton Ken doll, <laughs> or he's got it going on. He's got it. And, I mean, Melissa McCarthy keeps coming back to him in this movie. So uh, I think the sun has a little bit more... You know, credibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is like, um, you know, that famous science problem theory, um, Schrodinger's crab. <laughs> <laughs> if you never look under the shell, they uh, either have or they don't have. Interesting. We gotta go with the sun on this one. <laughs> we gotta, right? I'm not gonna do Jason Bateman dirty on this podcast. Um, I think literally in the last podcast we did No Clue, I said this that movie would have been better with him in it. So I'm not going to do him dirty on this episode. So Jason Bateman, congratulations <laughs> in this movie on that crab thing. <laughs> uh-huh. I think we gotta, not only because... I think just Melissa McCarthy would enjoy it a lot more. But also, like, if that's literally, like, your superpower is being part crab, I think they got to give you something besides the arms. Yeah, if you got to, like, have to deal with the arms. And we've seen he can't pick up a, a glass and he can't, you know, touch one button on the elevator. He's He's got to make up for it in other areas. <laughs> yeah, and he does. We've decided. <laughs> Thank you, the sun.co.uk. We're going to take your word on this. Any gripes you have about this particular piece of science, you can take up with them. <laughs> so, Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman, Mr. Crab. Mr. Crab. Mr. <gasps> Crab. Mr. Oh my Crabs. <laughs> Girl, we are learning too much today. Does this solve anything for the question of why Mr. Krabs' daughter is literally a whale, or is that still? 
See, okay, here's what I'm thinking, right? Because this is a a question, tale as old as time. Why does Mr. Krabs literally have a whale for a daughter? (laughs) How does that happen? Here's my proposed answer based on the scientific evidence of this movie. And that's that if a radioactive, if a regular crab that's radioactive with this evil radioactive gene, the superhero mutation, can bite (laughs) Jason Bateman on the nutso and (laughs) turn him partially crab. What if a bigger, more powerful, more radioactive crab bit a person? Could they turn them fully crab, but like still able to speak? And what if a really radioactive whale bit his daughter? And turned her into a whale. So what if everyone from SpongeBob is actually just people turned into whatever animal bit them on the junks? And uh, and SpongeBob must have gotten bit on the junk by a sponge. By a sponge, yes. Oh, okay, okay. So this was my theory. I thought you were going to say this. Okay. Okay. This is also presented by the evidence. You can have more than one theory based on the same evidence. Okay. Okay. Um, please we, approach we, the bench with your evidence. Okay. Um, we are both scientists. 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 Okay. So we are both Um So this is my theory. So we know from the sun.co.uk that crabs, they got it. <laughs> You know, they got it going on. So the the bigger thing, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the bigger the thing, the bigger the sperm. And what kind of whale is his daughter possibly? <gasps> sperm whale. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is that. So there's my, that's my proposal. In conclusion, the, the bigger the thing, the bigger the sperm, sperm whale. Sporm whale. Oh my, you know what? This session is in, the session has concluded, the session is in order, has, is oh, concluded the order. This, we have concluded this session's order. That's me ending the session. <laughs> We've figured it out. The mis- the case has been solved. Thank you for, thank you. Uh, I don't, I've never been to court. I don't know how this works. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you your majesty. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Thanks, love you. <laughs> love you, bye. <laughs> so, Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman, their date surprisingly ends up going really well. But it is cut a little bit short because this other super villain miscreant person who's a mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. So basically, the bad guy in this movie is this mayoral candidate named the king not king the king and he basically has all these miscreants pretend to try to assassinate him try to pretend to get in his way or whatever so that he can seem like a better person but now that melissa mccarthy and octavia spencer are becoming this super famous super well-liked superhero team um he is not happy about that as getting in the way of his plans so Jason Bateman and Mantis are both 
his lackeys, I guess. So he's sending them off to try to, to take care of Melissa McCarthy. And when Mantis comes to attack Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy's fighting back now because, you know, she's gotten good with her powers. She's has like super strength now. And Mantis ends up getting away. But Melissa McCarthy, when trying to stop her, you know, because one of the lines at the beginning of this movie was, you're so strong, you could lift a city bus. So she's like, well, let's try that out. So she lifts this huge city bus and throws it across town and obviously doesn't hit Mantis. She just like hits a building or a important statue or something. She throws the bus. Octavia Spencer gets super mad. She's like, you're being irresponsible with your powers. If you're nothing without a suit, you don't deserve it. (laughs) Whatever. So they have another fight. This is like their third fight in this movie. Octavia Spencer's character just gets like super pissed off at her for literally everything. So they're kind of having a little tiff. But just like in the beginning, they sort of make up immediately when Melissa McCarthy is just sort of her bumbling self and apologizes right away because they decide that there is more to the superhero thing than just them. And, you know, they found out now about this, the King guy who is trying to take over the city and whatever. And he's got this big master plan coming up that they decide they need to just sort of apologize, put their differences aside so that they can stop him. Cause his plan now is there's this candidate for mayor running against him. Who's, I think the mom from Teen Wolf There's like a bunch of random cameos here. (laughs) And she's winning so far in the polls. And the king does not like that. So he decides to throw this big fake party to blow up all the people who aren't going to vote for him. And Thunder Force crashes it, obviously, so that they can defeat the king once and for all. Okay, so there are a couple of side characters we need to mention. So Octavia Spencer's character, Emily, has a daughter who's like high school age, but she already graduated from college, I think. And there's also this older lady named Allie, who's kind of their Morgan Freeman in Batman, who kind of runs things behind the scenes. And it turns out Allie is also working for the king and Allie kind of sold them out. And now they're going to get attacked by Mantis while they're trying to stop the party. So there's this big fight scene. They get rid of Mantis. They go and look for the bomb and they see the king, Jason Bateman, and all of uh, the other henchmen. And there's this big fight scene. And then, like, somehow Octavia Spencer's daughter, like, got these super speed powers, like these flash powers but like i was a little confused because at the beginning of the movie emily and lydia had to train for like 33 days and take these like pills slash injections for like a month straight and then the daughter rolls up like in 10 minutes like hey i i have powers now and the fact that her mom didn't know about it so her mom her mom is the scientist right the daughter is like 15 like early high school age the mom is the head scientist the one like developing all these super injections and you know like amy said like they got to go through months of training months of injections too it's not just like a one needle thing so i same i don't i don't (laughs) know how a she like got the injection secretly did she develop her own 
super serum and then just train secretly for months? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. The the way that she said it, I, I was under the assumption that she took like the first pill like that night and she just got the powers. And I'm like, girl, it's that easy? <laughs> Damn, got bitten by the Roadrunner or something? Like, what's Ooh. going on? <laughs> Radioactive Roadrunner? Radioactive Roadrunner, she got bit. Bit right in the bust. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all three of them, they show up to the big fight, and they defeat the king, like, pretty easily. Um, helps by Jason Bateman, who switches sides halfway through, because he's in love with Melissa McCarthy now. So they defeat the king, they, like, just throw him out a window, which, okay, that's <laughs> one way to do it. <laughs> but then we've got the issue of the bomb, right? They take a look at it, and even though both Octavia Spencer and her daughter are, like, crazy smart geniuses, they realize that in the amount of time they have, they, there's no way they can disarm it. So Melissa McCarthy decides that she's going to just like mm, jump out the building <laughs> with the bomb in her arms, take it far away, Dark Knight Rises style. So she does. She jumps out of the building into like like a river or something and the bomb goes off in the river. I guess it wasn't a very big bomb because it just sort of makes a sploosh in the water and... uh Melissa McCarthy survives again, Dark Knight Rises style, somehow. I also don't understand why she had to do all that. Like, she could have just thrown it in the river. Yeah. She's like, no, I, I have to, like, shield it with my body so no one gets hurt. Like, bit, no one's in the river, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, also the river's, a- like, conveniently right outside the window. This isn't Captain America. But yeah, literally <laughs> nothing would have changed if she just threw it out the window herself. Um, but she survived. The mayor's like, hey, listen, you did some good work out there. Um, represent the city. Do you want to get like city funding or whatever? And they're like, heck yeah. So they're like officially a superhero team. At the end of the movie, they saved the day. Everything is well. The king is defeated. That's it. Except there's uh, not really an end credit scene. There's a there's a scene while the credits uh, are going where Lydia and the crab man go on another date. And we learned uh, during the movie that Lydia, since she got her first injection, can only eat like raw chicken. So the date is doing some like Lady in the Tramp style eating raw chicken romance kind of gross the the chicken by the way is made out of thinly sliced pears it looks like raw chicken though it super looks like raw chicken i we got okay we got it okay melissa mccarthy's movies i feel like in general have a very similar vibe to them she has a very specific brand of comedy that you sort of associate with melissa mccarthy comedy and i feel like for me a lot of the time her jokes are hit or miss some of her more subtle jokes i really enjoy but sometimes when they're just super over the top some of them are just gross like they're less jokes and they're more gross (laughs) and i find that the jokes that tend to go on like a little too long where you're like okay i get the point those are always the gross jokes 
So this raw chicken gag that like literally gag that keeps this whole movie. It's not just this one end scene. It's literally like five separate really long scenes in this movie of her just guzzling what both looks and sounds like (laughs) raw chicken. And it is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Like, okay, this movie is similar. Again, the jokes in this movie, I think, some more hits, some more misses. I really like, there's a cute little scene at the beginning when they're at the high school reunion where one of her high school friends is trying to tell a a knock-knock joke but keeps telling it wrong. I don't know. I thought that was really cute. I was laughing out loud. But, oh my god, those raw chicken scenes, I could not look at the screen. Yeah, very bad. Just literally would have cut half of those raw chicken scenes. I would have cut all of them. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that works too. But yeah, Melissa McCarthy has a very specific type of comedy, like you said, and I feel like if you don't like that type of comedy, maybe don't watch this movie to anyone out there. I don't remember liking Tammy, but I did like, aside from the raw chicken scenes, I did like this movie, and I laughed a lot during this movie. Like, I think it's partly the cast, too, because the cast did a really good job. Obviously, Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman are very funny. I don't think I've ever seen Octavia Spencer in, like, a full-on comedy before, but she was pretty good. She was uh, she was okay in this. Yeah, it was a lot funnier than I thought it would be. Yeah, I have to say... Same. I'm pretty hit or miss with Melissa McCarthy's stuff. And this wasn't a smash hit for me, but I did like the jokes a lot more than I usually do in her movies. Like I was laughing a lot more than I expected to in this movie. Besides the just sort of very physical comedy, gross jokes, her like speaking jokes were very good. Yeah. Like, the dialogue, some of the dialogue was very funny. Like, oh, can I just mention one yes. one thing, one line from the end? They're in the big fight where the king has, like, Melissa McCarthy in, like, a chokehold or whatever. And Jason Bateman rushes in. He's, like, hands off. And then the king oh. drops Melissa McCarthy. He turns to Jason Bateman. He's like, okay, he rips his crab hands off. It's, <laughs> I mean, how can you be that kind of pun hands off bitch (laughs) literally some of the jokes though i think because i mean we are you know early 20s melissa mccarthy is older than that some of the jokes i have to say were i think made for a bit of an older audience not in a crude way but just in like she has a lot of references to like actors and singers from like the 70s that I had no clue who they were like a lot of references to just (laughs) other people that I didn't get and I think those scenes would have been funnier if I knew who the people were yeah that's true I have a feeling she like improvised uh, a lot of scenes so yeah some of the references flew over our heads but um, overall, wasn't bad. I did. I also like the music. Both you and I, Ashley, probably because we watched a lot of Supernatural during our formative <laughs> years, have an appreciation for some good old classic rock. And yeah. um, there was 
a lot of that in this movie. So that was nice. Yeah, there's a whole like two minute long scene of them just singing "Kiss by a Rose" by Seal. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, tell tell me what you think of this because I think some of my favorite jokes in the movie were ones that had to do with superheroes. Like I mentioned in the drinking game, like Melissa McCarthy keeps talking about how stanky that suit gets with her sweating in it all day. I really liked those jokes, but I feel like they could have done a little more of it and kind of, and I don't think this is like a parody movie, but I think they could have played it more into the the parody of superheroes, you know, like just sort of made fun a bit more of, uh, I liked what they did with the car when they were like, yeah, we got this super cool, like bright purple Lamborghini. Eh, oh my God, we're getting a superhero car. And then them trying to like squeeze into it because it's like a flashy car and it's not made for that. That was good. I wanted more of that kind of stuff. I wanted more pair, maybe like them talking about the type of costume that they would want, maybe like catchphrases for them. Um, I wanted to, uh, to lean a bit more into the parody and making fun of typical things that happen in every superhero movie, I think would have added a, a couple more layers that I would have liked. Yeah, 100%. I like what they did with Jason Bateman's backstory, where it's like kind of a, a parody of Spider-Man, except yeah. he was bitten by a crab in the junk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, 100% would have loved to have them making more fun of how ridiculous superheroes really are because like in the mcu they kind of try to make them as realistic as they can be but they're still like superheroes they're still like these ridiculous figures and of course their suits are gonna stank and of course you know it's gonna be weird when um they suddenly grow crab hands because they were bitten in the junk totally agree with that and we do have a, a segment on this podcast where we talk about the things that we would have improved so so far you know uh made it more of a parody included less raw chicken scenes what else would (laughs) we have improved i mean just sort of going off the superhero thing i would have liked to see a bit more comic booky stuff i think the intro and outro the kind of like credits going on the screen they have this fantastic comic book style you know, like the the Bende dots, the onomatopoeias popping up everywhere. Like, it's such a classic style. And I love the, the I think it would have been really cool to use it in this movie in a similar way that they used it in like the 66 Batman in Into the Spider-Verse. Just like to play into the comedy of it, to play into the campiness. Not, you know, overly, but I think just seeing that comic book style in the intro and the outro, I wanted to see that in the actual movie. And I think that would have been really cool if they included some effects like that. Girl, literally on the same wavelength here. That was yes. the first point that I, w- <laughs> I wanted to to bring up. Yeah, okay. Like this Scott Pilgrim yes. style, like super comic book, wham, bam, pow type things. I feel like a lot of superhero movies don't take advantage of that like the the stylization of comic books and turning them into not just movies but movies that are in that style like mm-hmm. i i did read this post 
on Tumblr or something where they kind of broke down a scene from uh, Captain America Civil War. And it's a scene where, where Steve is fighting Bucky and there's these like, I, I think it's like red and blue lights flashing and they're pushing each other through walls and the walls are kind of emulating the panels in a comic book. So it looks like wow. a more comic book style. So even like a realistic quote unquote comic book style, like just something to to give us a superhero vibe, even though this isn't based on an existing comic book, like just a nod to the comic book genre because so many superheroes um, are like it's so underused, so underrated in movies. Especially because this movie is, at its heart, a comedy. It's not, it's not one of those like early two thousands Daredevil trying to be super <laughs> dark and dramatic and and realistic about everything. This movie doesn't care about realism. Jason Bateman got bit on the nuts and became a half god. <laughs> Um, like, I think just because of the, the context of the movie, that the core of the movie, it's a comedy, it's campy, it's almost parody-ish, which again, I wish that they'd pushed the parody a little more. It's like the perfect place to do this this kind of style, because it's not meant to be realistic. It's not, you know, you can have onomatopoeias popping, boom, boom, pow, uh, 2000 and lay. You're going to have them popping <laughs> up everywhere because it's not meant to be a realistic take on superheroes. It's a perfect place to do it. Yeah, I mean, going into it, they had to have known it wasn't going to get the box office reception or, um, you know, just the critical reception that movies like MCU movies are going to get. So, like, why not just take risks with it and have fun with it? Because, like, so many things that they could have done here that um, companies like maybe uh, Disney or Marvel are too big to try out. Yeah, they're already established in their style, in their characters. It's very risky for a company like DC or Marvel to try something like this now even into the spider-verse was a very risky move that obviously panned out amazingly because everyone loved that style and okay another thing since we're talking about things that marvel and, and disney probably wouldn't do <laughs> they kind of touched on this in a jokey way in the movie but i feel like there could have easily been a romance between lydia and emily because it's yes. set up as a romance, like, ah, oh, imagine high school. They don't get together, but they both have feelings for each other. They see each other like 20 years later. They're like, hang on, she has a kid. Does that mean she's married? And then just like, you know, setting up this romance. And even in one scene, they're trying to tell Emily's grandma, like, hey, we have some news for you. And they want to tell her that they're Thunder Force, even though like they don't wear masks. And they're on TV a lot. So don't know why she wouldn't know that. But they're like, we have some information. We've got some tea to, to drop on you, Grandma. And the Grandma's like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for this day. And she gets up this, like, little bridal cake topper with the two of them. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, even the Grandma sees it. So, yeah, I, I feel like they could have had a little bit of a romance between them because we're already getting the female superhero representation might as well get some of that queer representation too in this movie exactly we're getting the body type representation the the female representation the age representation it's just they're trying to break so many 
and they did break so many barriers with what superheroes are supposed to be. And I, ju- I love Marvel and Disney with my whole heart um, for what they do, uh, the, the movies that they make. But Disney specifically is very cautious when it comes to this kind of stuff. And it's frustrating to see because they keep trying to play both sides. They keep trying to be like, yes, we're inclusive. We have gay characters in our media. You know, like, oh, LeFou is gay. And then you watch (laughs) Beauty and the Beast and you're like, he wasn't, though. Like, you can't just, you know, J.K. Rowling's style stay after the fact. Yeah, he was gay. Like, make him gay in the movie. (laughs) No one's going to care if he's gay in the random media interview post that you talk about afterwards. It's the movie that people care about. So yeah, I this is again not a Disney movie. This is not something that has those barriers, those social norms, ridiculous norms that they have to stick to. This is something that you can take risks with. And they should have. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is so much of the typical superhero origin story or just a superhero story in general stems from these like queer undertones like all these themes of being accepted or not accepted for who you are choosing or not choosing to keep your identity a secret or feeling different from other people especially when you're growing up or feeling like an outcast like a lot of these are like very specifically queer undertones and they're touched on in a lot of superhero movies especially like movies like x-men where I think there's literally a scene where Bobby or someone uh, has to come out to his family as being a mutant. And like these themes are so prevalent in the stories, but they're kind of ways of expressing these sentiments without actually showing them, you know, as explicitly queer. Yeah, for sure. I also can I just quickly say that that scene where the grandma is like, yeah, I know you're Thunder Force. Again. <laughs> Similarly, I wish that they'd played that like up more to be sort of a parody of superhero stuff. Because, I mean, we all know the Clark Kent takes off his glasses. Oh, my God. Superman's <laughs> a different guy. Oh, my God. Bruce Wayne, I couldn't recognize him, even though half his face is showing out of that, that mask. Like, I wish that they had just like, and you can, you know, actors, they like to have their, their face on the media. That's why in most of the uh, newer X-Men or newer <laughs> X-Men movies, um, characters like Mystique um, and Beast are mostly shown in their human form because the actors want to be shown. They don't you want to have blue makeup on all the time, which like in this movie, they're still humans. You can still tell it's mostly McCarthy. And uh, like if they just had like a little mask, like a little raccoon mask or something <laughs> on, where you can still tell it's them. Like, you can obviously tell it's them, but then they have this huge big secret that they're like, oh, my God, Grandma, we have to tell you we're Thunder Force. And the grandma's like, duh, like, yeah. it's clearly you with a mask on. Or or they could have gone the opposite, where they have this tiny little mask on, this tiny little raccoon mask, <laughs> and um, they're confronting, or, or Melissa McCarthy has met the crab in her normal form without the mask but she hasn't met him with the mask on so she's talking to him with her tiny little thunder force mask on and he's like oh you know i've I've been fighting this stupid uh superhero group named 
Thunder Force, whatever. They're, he's talking about the, the other her, and she takes off her mask. And he's like, hang on a second. Wait, wait a second. It, it's been you the whole time she puts her mask back on. He's like, oh, my God, I don't. Uh, who are you? I don't even recognize. <laughs> it's like, you know, just like doing it uh, both ways. The Perry the Platypus paradox. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I also, okay, while we're on the topic of things we want to change, when Melissa McCarthy is getting her injections at the beginning of the movie, I did not like those gross ass <laughs> massive pimple boils that would pop up on her cheek every time. Yeah, and for what? Because they only for lasted why? like five seconds. Octavia Spencer's like, oh, don't worry, they're gonna go away in five seconds. And then don't show them, girl. Just like stand, just have the camera go on Octavia Spencer's face for those whole last five seconds, please. Because that was gross as hell. Just show her reaction to it. Girl, I still, to this day, with my 20-odd years of life, cannot watch that scene from Chamber of Secrets where the Golden Trio transforms with the polyjuice because their face be boiling up and <laughs> crackling and morphing. It's gross as hell. And this movie is giving me that same kind of gross boils on Melissa McCarthy's cheeks. I do not like it. CGI that out. <laughs> yeah, just... Get rid of all the gross stuff. The the boils, the raw chicken. Mm-hmm. That's it. That Was there any more gross stuff? I can't remember. I blacked it out. <laughs> One thing I did like, though, it's kind of, I mean, just to go back to, like, the beginning of the movie, just a random thing that they did. I like that they, they casted actual high school-aged kids for a high school them. Like, I really liked, instead of casting, like, 25-year-olds, they were, like, 15-year-olds, like actual real-life 15-year-olds. And I thought that was really refreshing. I don't know why that was. It's just, it's so, in every superhero movie, they're like, this was me as a child. And it's just like them without a beard. <laughs> You're like, well, okay. Um, I like that they actually casted kids for the kids. You know what? While I was watching the movie, I was like, they really like excellently casted the kids. Yes. Not just because of their age, but like the way that their mannerisms were so similar to their adult counterpoints counterpoints counterparts and i i looked it up apparently melissa mccarthy's real life daughter vivian falcone played the younger her in this movie which i mean i was like damn that was very good that was excellent i was gonna like give props to that actress because i was like damn she really did her homework on this. She understood the assignment, but I I guess if it's your mom, (laughs) you gotta know her. Yeah. Two more pieces of trivia is that since this is like a family affair, La Familia, this is the fifth collaboration between Melissa McCarthy and her husband, Ben Falcone, who directed this movie. And he played um, this dude, Kenny, who's one of the King's henchmen uh, in this movie. So I thought that was very interesting. One more thing is that I did not know this, but Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer have been friends for 20 years in real life. That's so cute! I know! Well, we've talked a lot about our thoughts on the movie. I'm curious to see what the internet thought about it. I I kind of get the gist that these types of Melissa McCarthy movies aren't usually that well-received, and obviously the reason why we did this movie on the podcast is because it didn't get great reviews but it was 
not what I was expecting. So I'm I'm curious to see what people are thinking. Yeah, it got pretty bad reviews. Well, um, even you know, compared to some of her other movies, INZB, just for reference, gave this a 4.4 out of 10, yeah. and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 21%, yeah. while the audience gave it a 23%. Yeah. So, not very good. And, you know, as I was uh, reading some reviews to, to pick them out, it's like pretty big consensus that a lot of people just straight up did not like this movie. Well, I mean, let's see. We'll see how their thoughts kind of compare to ours. On IMDb, we have three reviews that we're going to go over here. The first is by James-MN, who gave it a 2 out of 10. And their tagline is, Ew! uh, An annoying movie. After watching this movie, you just feel tired, like you wolfed down three Big Macs. During the whole movie, you only want to know when this movie is going to end. Damn. Take a a shot every time that review said movie. (laughs) (laughs) The next review is by user Thom Durd, who gave it a 3 out of 10. Tagline is, it's a 3, and that's only because Jason Bateman plays the crab. (laughs) Again, Netflix, what is up with you? What is this silly, sleepy superhero movie that you produced? Wouldn't it be better spending money in something meaningful or at least entertaining? Luckily, the cast is not all that bad, and Jason Bateman steals the show playing the crab. His parts are very funny. So I'm not entirely upset that, I, that I've spent time watching this, but looking back into it, yes, I can conclude to the fact that it is one of the most unnecessary films I have ever watched. 2.7 out of 10, just for these small moments, which were very funny. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. The last review is by user... Carl Hannon-18311, who gave it a 9 out of 10, and their tagline is, Easy to watch comedy 2021. If you're looking for your new favorite movie, this isn't the one. (laughs) But it's not as bad as the ratings. Good film to watch with the family, with a few laughable and stupid moments. It's worth the watch. Okay, that one was a little easier on it. (laughs) We also have four reviews from Letterboxd, and the first one is by Sarah, who gave it two out of five stars. And Sarah says, Petition for Jason Bateman's minimum screen time to be at least 75 minutes in any movie he plays in. Yes! Agreed. Um, The second review by Emma is also about Jason Bateman, and Emma gave it three out of five stars, and she says, Apparently, Jason Bateman as a hot crab person isn't enough for some people, but it's enough for me. (laughs) Enough for us. The third review is by Nikki, who gave it half a star. And Nikki says, okay, we need to get Melissa McCarthy a new husband. (laughs) (laughs) The last review from Letterboxd today is by Jonathan Fuji, F-U-J-I-I who gave it one and a half stars. And Jonathan says, is this how Martin Scorsese views Marvel movies? (laughs) (laughs) And that's all our reviews for today. Now, we are also going to give this movie a number rating from ourselves. We rate all the movies that we watch on a scale of bad movies, so a 10 out of 10 is not necessarily 
a fantastic movie. It's just pretty good for a bad movie. Um, and a one out of ten is so bad I could barely finish it. Amy, what did you think of this movie? I thought it was much better than I was expecting because the last Melissa McCarthy movie uh, we did, Tammy, I remember not liking that much. So I didn't really have high hopes going into this one, even though I do love superhero movies and I love, you know, most of the people in this cast. Yeah, and then it, it surprised me. It was really funny. It actually had two amazing leads. The uh, The dialogue was pretty good. It was, I don't know, it just surprised me, like very pleasantly surprised me. So I'm going to give it like a 7.5. It was pretty good. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to give it similar, a little lower, just because I liked it a lot more than I would have expected to like it. I also don't remember liking Tammy that much. It was also just kind of a forgettable movie. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing for me was a the gross ass boils in the chicken <laughs> that kept showing up. But also, I think when I think of this movie, I think of unused potential. I just think if they had spent a little bit more time in the writing room, just sort of I don't know. I wanted it to like I, I've you know we've gone over our thoughts. I've mentioned this, but I wanted it to really lean into the parody of the superhero genre to lean into what is typically just in every superhero movie: the naming conventions, the costumes, the gadgets, the the visual comic book style. I kind of wanted everything to be pushed further, but I I did. Still like it overall. I just wish there was more to it. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Yeah, that's fair. There was a lot of unused potential, even with the costumes. It could have had some more colors, just a a pop of something there. But yeah, it was, you know, I think it was a good movie to bring on to our fun season this season. definitely. Uh, Because it was fun. I don't know why a lot of reviewers and critics are like, oh, this is the worst superhero movie ever. Like, no. Have you seen Thor 2? No. (laughs) So (laughs) it wasn't bad. It was was pretty good. Um, But if anyone out there in in our audience has seen this movie and you have thoughts on the movie or if you have uh, other fun movies to recommend to us, you can always uh, hit us up on twitter or letterbox we're at bms podcast or you can uh, shoot us an email at bad at gmail.com and as always a huge thank you to kevin mcleod for providing our theme song the song is riptide and you can find it on his website incompetech.filmmusic.io we have been bad movie sunday i'm the, uh, the thunder ashley And I'm the Lightning Amy. Ooh, we have been the bad bunch. The the Sunday sisters. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday fun day. Well, okay, well, we'll see you next next week. (laughs) We will see you next time with a real superhero duo name, the dynamic duo, the the great, the great group. The great group. The great group. Bye. Some work. (laughs) We'll see. We'll, We'll work on it. We'll see you next next week.